Welcome in to another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner, and we are here to preview the uh, the biggest games coming up this weekend and hit you with some best bets. Unfortunately, I lost a best bet. I've uh, been on a, a, a good run and um, laid it with Creighton, and I thought maybe I should have taken 15, 16 points. I might have had a chance there. That was about as bad of a performance by Creighton as you could have imagined seeing, I think. Uh, with the exception of Ryan Kalkbrenner, who was and continues to just be phenomenal. Uh, and I think one of the more underrated players in in the country. But nobody could hit a shot. And for a team that is just not good defensively, uh, UNLV did a good job. And uh, yeah, this was a, a big surprise to me. Uh, what were your takeaways from the week, Griff? Man, uh, what a awful just group of schedules. Uh, there really was nothing <laughs> was to bad. watch, uh, nothing to, I mean, struggling just to find any sort of interesting cards. And that was difficult. Uh, I don't know what Creighton's problem is with Mountain West teams. Uh, the nice part is they probably won't see too many in the NCAA tournament, um, though it didn't go great against San Diego State last year. So maybe that's the key to all of this. Um, I, I feel like a lot of ugly stuff. Louisville's still not good at basketball. Uh, they lost as a small home favorite to Arkansas State Oof. the other night. Uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> there's going to be a new coach there pretty soon. I mean, I don't know why they retained Kenny Payne after a year where he clearly didn't know how to use the portal, but uh, maybe someone should tell him it exists because uh, I, I don't know. You're right. He should not be around any any longer. Uh, I figured that Louisville would eventually come back to uh, have a big crowd. Usually there's a lot of support there. Um, when you lose that fan base, which are so rabid and so down for everything, um, I'm afraid to see what that Kentucky Louisville line is going to be uh, right before New Year's. All right, let's jump into the games. All, all the crap that we had for this week, they're making they're making up for it. We've got a fantastic card this weekend. Hallelujah! Let's start with the game on Friday: UConn versus Gonzaga. This is a semi-neutral spot. Uh, it's in Seattle. UConn is a five-point favorite, five-and-a-halfs out there as well uh, on the neutral-ish, neutral-ish. Um, this it feels like there's something wrong with this Gonzaga team, and I, I dug into their Ken Palm a little bit, and they're currently 65th nationally in effective field goal percentage, and that is the stat that Gonzaga has really just dominated in the, in the entire Mark Few era. This is the lowest they've been in that stat in the Ken Palm era since 99. Like they just usually they've got either either great outside shooting or a dominant inside presence. And right now they don't really have either. The depth for them is a major concern. Like they're running their top guys into the ground 336th in bench minutes. And like three of the guys that are getting all these minutes are freshmen. It's just not. This is not your typical Gonzaga team. And UConn, on the other hand, continues to look like, you know, the national champions. They, they've got the best two-point percentage in the country. Uh, it, like, you just can't stop clinging in Caravan, and they're they're getting whatever they want inside. I, I don't see a way for Gonzaga to stop them. The, the real defensive weakness for the Huskies is the three-point line. But like I said, this is a below-average shooting team for Gonzaga, 
And, and I, I think it's important they're not playing in the kennel. Um, this this feels like a game where UConn just kind of shows they're a class ahead, and like Gonzaga's brand name isn't enough to carry them through. What what do you think? Yeah, I'm looking for potential three point shooters in this game that could take advantage of a UConn weakness, which I think really is going to be in the front court, which is something you wouldn't expect in uh, any sort of basketball that your big guys or your shooters. Yes, we are in the year of our Lord 2023 and people have moved on from uh, pounding the ball in the paint to your six foot 10 guys, but seeing Gonzaga's two best three point shooters with really great numbers, uh, Braden Huff at six ten, Ben Gregg at six ten, are both going to probably play the four and five positions um, but it doesn't seem to me that Gonzaga is that inverted offense that wants to go and take their guards in the paint. Uh, that's worked really well for Mountain West teams in the past, really just trying to exploit a matchup where if you had a big guy that could shoot, that would make it really hard on the opposing team. I think that could work here with Klingon because uh, he's seven foot two, but unfortunately you're going to have to shoot really well in a neutral site. Uh, and Klingon's going to score a bunch on the interior, I suspect, because he's I don't think Ben Gregg, who's really a, a kind of float outside guy, was the backup to Drew Timmy last year. I don't think he's a great defender inside. Huff is a, a freshman, as you mentioned. And when you look at the Gonzaga, like just their lineup roster, don't really seem to have a backup point guard. I, I guess they're sharing that role with Nemhard and with Hickman. Um, but then really behind in that kind of group, like I, there's so many names that even the, the players that are there, Nemhard was a tra- is a transfer from Creighton. Uh, and then Graham E.K. missed all of last season. It's transferred in from Wyoming as well. So it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of consistency. Um, my biggest question is, can, I mean, there should be a pretty big Gonzaga fan base there in Seattle. They travel really well. Um, and that should potentially level a playing field. But after what we saw from UConn, how well they shot at the fog in Lawrence, Kansas, and really a game that they could have won, uh, it certainly had a, a big comeback in it. I don't know necessarily what to think about this UConn side or just team in general um, that like looking for weaknesses. I don't know if that I can find them. Yes, they're three point defense, but like who knows if that's just noise and might eventually turn around and become uh, a little bit n- more normalized. And then if they start shooting well or continue to shoot well, I don't know where you beat this team. Yeah. And I mean, we, we talk about the bigs, but Tristan Newton, like might be one of the two or three best guards in the country so far this year. I mean, I, I just don't see where the edge is for this Gonzaga team. Like if they if, if Connecticut's bigger up front and they they've got the better guard play, like I don't know if they weren't called Gonzaga, I wouldn't even be considering this as a, a, a remotely close game. So um, I, I'm just going to go with what I think is the much better team here. And I, I know it's on a neutral floor. A lot of these games, these matchups that we're talking about, three of the four primetime matchup or prime matchups that we're talking about are on a neutral. Uh, so it sounds like we we kind of agree there that it, if you want UConn, that's one thing. Like, I don't think either of us is looking to back the dog here, right? Ah, uh, I am considering it, but it's, oh, it's, okay. I mean, unfortunately when it's very easy to poke holes in, in a potential Gonzaga play here, I, I think ultimately you need a bad game from UConn, which is possible, but unlikely or less likely. And you need, uh, probably Gonzaga to shoot really well from three and exploit UConn in a way that gets them close enough to win this game. Cause Late fouls, it's really dangerous at five and a half. All right, let's go to Indianapolis for another semi-home game. Purdue, we're going to project them minus two against Arizona. 
And when you think of what you need to beat Purdue, like I, I think you want someone who who's solid at least on both ends, and, and Arizona is better than solid on both ends. You have to be able to rebound. Arizona is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, and you have to have somebody who can at least – slow down Zach Eady. You're probably not going to stop him. You have to be able to slow him down. And it feels like Arizona checks all those boxes. Uh, and Purdue, like, I mean, obviously Edie is just an absolute monster, but they, Purdue struggled to pull away from Alabama last weekend, and that's a, a really bad defensive team. Um, they, they lost to Northwestern, who just lost to Chicago State. So basketball math says Chicago State's now better than Purdue. Um, like I think probably the biggest knock I can find on Arizona is they didn't blow out Michigan State. I, I think this is a fun matchup. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm going to have any any money involved in it, but I, I do want to watch it. And, and I think if Zona can get Edie running, that they they'll be able to to cut into his minutes. Uh, which which obviously any time that he's not on the floor for Purdue, those are the times where Arizona is going to have to make runs. I, I worry about you know the crowd being so pro Purdue, but I, I think if I had to pick a side, it'd be Arizona. I, I just trust them a little bit more right now. What do you see? Yeah, I think you're fighting crowd situation. Arizona travels really well, but I feel like in the back neighborhood yeah. of, of Purdue, it's going to be really hard. Short drive from West Lafayette down to Indianapolis. Um, to your point, I think... Arizona has, a, I mean, one of the few schools uh, out there, one of the few basketball teams in general that have some way to neutralize Edie with two seven-footers. Uh, certainly, Edie still towers over everyone. Uh, but it's kind of nice to potentially throw two big guys at Edie and uh, Purdue's basically dare you to shoot three-point defense uh, might not be that as much that way because they're going to potentially have to protect inside Omar Balos is one of the best interior finishers and, and really go to uh, it's not really in vogue in college basketball anymore, throwing the ball in the post, but both these teams are going to do that. I do wonder how that impacts pace though. Arizona certainly wants to run as much as possible. Fifth fastest adjusted tempo in the country I'm looking at. So um, I think there's some value in potentially backing Arizona neutral courts. It's hard to give like straight up home court advantage points. I mean, yes, sometimes it's deserved certainly in the same state that probably will help Purdue. Um, but if there is more of an Arizona crowd there than we're expecting, then any sort of underdog type of number, I think has some value. Uh, if you can get a full possession plus three, that would be really nice. I think you were projecting two. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily see these two teams as that different. I do feel like Purdue has a little bit more of kind of the uh, je ne sais quoi, I don't even know if I'm using that right, or just something about them that with Zach Eady there, that they're given a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Um, late possession, uh, one point game at the end, you really want the dog, I think, uh, here, and it could be. Uh, one of those shots that goes off at the buzzer. I, I don't feel comfortable backing Purdue here and laying points against an Arizona team that I think can neutralize their big guy and then are going to do their best to really take advantage of the pace. Plus, I think Purdue, and no matter what ESPN says about how polished the team around Zach Eady is, I don't trust them at all. They're going to have to prove it uh, probably until they win a national championship. And this is going to be one of the toughest games that <clears throat> they have. They seem to do better 
in the non-con against the bigger teams that they come up against. But uh, ultimately, this is Arizona or nothing for me. And I actually like it enough that uh, any sort of dog number here, it's going to be hard for me to stay away. All right. Sounds like we uh, we at least lean in the same direction on that one. Let's go to a nice blue blood matchup here. Kentucky and North Carolina playing in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to project it as a pick. And Ooh, okay. I, I don't really have any faith in either of these teams. I was starting to come around on Kentucky. My preseason concern with Kentucky was where are they going to get their scoring from? And the world has been introduced to Reed Shepard. He is incredible. Um, and then the problem becomes when they've got a second, when they don't have a second guy and DJ Wagner missed that UNC Wilmington game, Kentucky was a dud. It was, it, to me, that game was a reminder that this team is just a, a bunch of freshmen with Trey Mitchell and Antonio Reeves and UNC is very experienced. I'm not sure they're more talented, but they're very experienced. It's Kentucky's just so hot and cold. Like which, who's going to show up? I think Kentucky certainly got the higher ceiling. I this at this point in the season, I'd pro, I, I feel like maybe I, I'd lean more to the team. That's got some continuity I just I don't know who to back here. I will say I don't think there's going to be much defense in this game. Ken Palm makes the the total 168. I think somebody hits 90. So I, I would look at the over uh, before I'd look at either side. But I, I guess I would I, I don't even know that I have a real lean here. I, I, I think maybe I lean Kentucky just because I like their talent more. But again, I, I don't trust that they're going to play consistently uh, with all these freshmen just trying to gel. Yeah, they do call it Catlanta, uh, so I would expect a big Kentucky contingent there, though I think it's a CBS Sports Classic, whatever they're calling it. So there are two games, and most of the time it's whoever shows up or is playing the first game, the crowd all shows up for that, really doesn't stick around for the second game. Um, and so we'll see if the second game teams and fans actually show up for this one. I think for the Blue Bloods, this is probably a really big game. So maybe there is a lot more of the neutrals that would be around. I think that would help North yeah. Carolina out. Um, I, it's two teams that I really want to be against. So it's kind of hard Same. to be like, uh, which, which one's in the uglier contest. So I don't really know what that answer would potentially be. Um, but I think if anything, I like Carolina here uh, because I'm not – and it's weird and it feels like 2015 that I'm like uh, celebrating a big guy and almost in back-to-back -back games, it feels like, but Armando Baycott like has been there for a while, has not lived up to the expectations that he's going to be a, a, a like top two pick in the, in the NBA draft um, would have happened a long time ago if he would have uh, been anywhere close to that. But uh, Kentucky to me has big holes up front and uh, I don't, I mean, they got young players there and, Trey Mitchell is filling in as kind of a power forward playing center earlier this season. I know that they've been able to kind of fix that a little bit with some more depth, but uh, the experience down low, I think does matter. Um, and ultimately with Kentucky, um, the Wilmington, Wilmington loss to me is not as bad. I mean, it's not good at home, of course, but uh, Wilmington seems to be a really good team. They've gotten a lot of respect from Ozmakers this year. So I'm watching out for them to seeing if there's any sort of spot that we can back them moving forward. Um, but the loss to Kansas wasn't so bad, especially when they're leading for a lot of the game. Um, whereas UNC has really not had bad losses themselves, uh, just to Villanova and to North, excuse me, to UConn. Um, so it's almost like these two teams are about as, highly valued as they can be. So this is probably a great matchup. We'll see if they're eight and nine seeds 
potentially in the NCAA tournament as opposed to what looks like two and three seeds or something like that right now. Um, but I do like UNC because I trust their offense a little bit more. I think RJ Davis and his experience, um, he's one of those guys that has really carried North Carolina despite all the shenanigans, shenanigans going uh, on around him. But now that Caleb Love's gone, I feel like it's more RJ Davis's team. Uh, he doesn't have to defer as much, and the Harrison Ingram show has been uh, has been great so far. So to me, I think there's uh, more of a probably a, a lower ceiling, as, as I think you mentioned, uh, on the North Carolina side. But I think they're a little bit more trustworthy in what we're going to get from them. Kentucky, of course, shoots really well, plays really well. They could win, rides the Catlanta crowd. But ultimately, Kentucky has that every neutral court event they go to. Um, so to me, I feel like it's a Carolina lean. Um, I don't know really what number I'm looking for. Certainly, if I get a full possession, I'd like it. But it doesn't sound like we're either neither you nor I are expected to be there. So uh, it's probably wait and see and, and uh, probably a couple of minutes before the game, seeing how uh, itchy my trigger finger is. You agree that that tempo could be a factor like it, it, it seems like a, a high scoring matchup no matter who wins? I mean, I think both. Coaches at their core want that type of style, uh, which is weird for Coach Cal because he's not been that way through most of his career. Um, Hubert Davis, still the jury is out on him, but I think you just treat him as Roy Williams until he kind of shows different spots. Um, I I don't blame your over lean. Uh, what I do, I, I guess, potentially worry about is Kentucky and their young team really just going haywire and taking a bunch of bad shots running to up and down the court trying to score really quickly unc probably letting them kind of fall into that kind of bear trap and if things don't go well kentucky falls behind and then maybe you see it slow down a little bit when carolina tries to show that they're veterans by uh not doing exactly what kentucky's doing but i guess it depends on game flow how close it'll be i think going into the game you expect a lot of points all right let's look at the uh the one true home game here kansas Ken Palm projects us a minus six uh, at Indiana, and I, I tend to kind of agree with that projection. I know you probably were a little higher on Indiana with your projection, um, <laughs> but Indiana's just looked like a disaster when they've stepped up in competition. Like I had Auburn uh, the last weekend, and it was twenty-two to ten Indiana yes, early yes, in the game, it was. and I was like, mm -hmm. man, did I really just misread? how good this Indiana team is. And they laughed, Auburn laughed them off the floor, beat them by 28. And you go back a little further, that game at Madison Square Garden against UConn, it, it, Indiana was never competitive in that game. 20 point win. Like they just, they didn't replace TJD. They're missing that toughness. And the rest of the roster, like, let's face it, just wasn't all that good to begin with. Like the, the toughness, I think is just a, like, UConn doubled them up on the glass doubled them that's crazy like and this game is at home but indiana didn't get margin at home against florida gulf coast they didn't get margin at home against army they didn't get margin at home against Wright state and while kansas hasn't really been blowing the doors off teams like their wins are really solid they beat yukon they beat tennessee they beat kentucky already indiana has a little bit of size in where but but Dickinson should be able to pull him out. And then it's kind of always my handicap. Like if you, if Dickinson is able to hit a couple shots and pull that defense out of the middle, all these slashers that they've got on Kansas can just feast. And Ken Palm has Ken Palm has Kansas at the 11th ranked team in the country. I think Kansas is better than that. I, I still think Kansas is elite. 
Uh, and I, I don't know that Indiana is even a tournament team. So I, I think Kansas might just blow these guys out. Certainly possible. Uh, I am not really looking to back any sort of road favorite going into Bloomington. Uh, we've seen really bad Indiana teams beat really good. Kentucky teams, for example, from the past. Uh, doesn't always happen, of course. But uh, the funny t- thing, I think, about that uh, Auburn-Indiana game was J- uh Jimmy Dykes, right? The broadcaster saying how uh, Ware was really soft at Oregon and all of a sudden by playing four games for Indiana when they're up 22 to 10 was like so tough and then quickly started saying nothing like that when he was just getting his lunch eaten by the Auburn uh, bullies. I think you could call it that. Uh, I don't know that Dickinson's the same type of player and there's certainly not a uh, five-man like rotation in the front court of KU that really scares me. Um, I think KJ Adams is going to be really hard uh, for Indiana to guard. And what I look at with Indiana is they're still missing Xavier Johnson. As far as I know, their point guard, they've had some decent play and fill in play from Galloway. Who's been there a little while. And then a freshman in cups, uh, who's like a coach's son, which of course was another one of Jimmy Dykes, favorite things when I watched that game. Um, but I think from a, an IU perspective, I'm looking to back them, um, at home as a small favorite against teams probably in the Big Ten, where uh, I feel like last year there were so many short home favorites, and that was really what I built my season on um, because that league is just so uniform. Uh, This team, I think from Indiana's perspective, they have some players that will get better down the stretch, but um, I really worry about their guards, and unfortunately that doesn't match up very well with Kansas, where I think that's their strength besides Dickinson, uh, or at least their strength at point guard. So, Um, I think this is one of those games where uh, I'll be watching and and kind of trying to take some notes on what I expect Indiana to do uh, against better competition, but it's not really one of those games I'm expecting them to win, but we've seen weird things happen and big upsets seem to occur when you have big crowds that are really impacting the game officials. And uh, it's a lot easier for Indiana to win games eight on five when you have the zebras in your corner. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B12, 
vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support. Vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. All right, let's get to best bets. Before we do, though, tell the people how they can save some money over at pregame.com. Yeah, so uh, actually on our little email that has the the list of, uh, uh, of promo codes and such, I'm very happy to shout my own name out as top of the pros of interest list at 74.88 units year to date. So let's go. Uh, trying to keep that going as much as possible. I don't know when the year turns over. Uh, hopefully not too soon. So I can keep shouting this from the mountaintops, but, uh, very pumped. And, uh, thank you for all the supporters. Cause there's been a bunch of people that have been reaching out have been, uh, subscribing all over the place. And I appreciate that trying to keep you guys, uh, in the positives, in the green and trying to keep that going as much as possible. Unfortunately, no promises, but I'm doing my best and barely sleep. So, uh, you can be assured it's all for you. Uh, and so if you want to save 20 bucks, excuse me, 20%, better than 20 bucks, you could buy a full season package. I think I have a 2024 all access out there, 20% off that could save you a bunch of money. Don't have the numbers in front of me, but looks like a good idea. Use the promo code score 20. Good for all listeners. Of this college basketball podcast. And uh, yes, we are doing 2024 all accesses from your favorite pro. So I guess it's not just me. Dang. I thought that was a, a thing that they were doing. Just me. Damn. No, not just you. But they also, I mean, anybody who does get uh, a 2024 All Access gets the rest of 2023 thrown in for free. So that's always a nice thing too. Last last couple weeks of this year thrown well, in. Well, free, free is for me. Good for seven days from the podcast release. So you got until the 21st or 22nd when this probably is officially released. Uh, but don't wait. You got plenty of Christmas gifts we need to buy before uh, before then. So make sure you get on that. Use the promo code SCORE20. AJ and I get a little bit of love if you uh, if you use that. It makes us uh, able to keep doing this podcast. So please. Please uh, use that promo code in there. If you're going to buy something anyway, use the promo code, save 20%, score 20. All right, let's get into best bets. What uh, Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How are you feeling? I feel best about this best bet of all this season. Let's um, go. It's not been great for me so far to start, but thankfully this is a six-month uh, marathon, so we got a long way to go. And uh, for my best bet, it's a team that I've been backing a lot this season, and it's been working fairly well. I'm still surprised that Memphis is getting such a little respect from market makers or the marketplace in general, because it's really not just odds makers that are putting stuff out there. It's also the market betting into it. Uh, an eight-point underdog at Texas A&M was bizarre, led the whole game. David Jones has been incredible. I don't know if that's going to continue. St. John's transfer, who I think, is actually from the Dominican Republic, which is uh, apparently they're great at basketball as, a, as a, also dominating Major League Baseball, too. Um, but he's might be my favorite player. Uh, if they keep winning, I might need to go find a jersey or an NIL donation or something of that nature, but I don't want to get him in trouble, so maybe I shouldn't offer that anyway memphis they're at home in a weird game against clemson i don't know why clemson is doing this i figured this would be a neutral but we're at fedex forum which i'm pretty sure is in memphis i drove by it before 
and so therefore a home game where I think you're giving me Memphis one and a half, anything below three, uh, minus three, I'm interested. Um, uh, and I don't think the number's going to climb that high because for some reason, Memphis is not getting a ton of respect. They've got more talent than almost anyone they play, especially Clemson. I think Clemson have, has really shown a lot of weaknesses on the road. Uh, neutral sites are great. Home games are even better, almost borderline elite. I think could win the ACC if they played all their games at home, but unfortunately that's not how that works. But Memphis is a slight favorite at home. Uh, I'm taking it all the way up to minus three. Yeah, uh, they've got Clemson, Virginia, and Vanderbilt, three power five teams all at home in a row, uh, which is, is strange for for an AAC team. But uh, I guess if that's the uh, the penny magic. Uh, getting... I I think it's literally when you Florida Atlantic doing the same thing, realizing that there are no other good teams in that conference. Uh, maybe, but also uh, we'll see how long my uh, NBA alma mater Vanderbilt stays a Power Five team. I don't know how long that's going to last. All right, let's uh, for my best bet. I'm going to go to Baylor, and this fe- listen. I, I'm I'm going to admit this feels like a trap spot. This feels like a uh, an odd line. Ken Palm makes this four against Michigan State. I'm going to go ahead and project five. I can't imagine it'll be four, but you know, I'm, I've been wrong before. This game is a semi home game for Michigan State. It's in Detroit at Little Caesars Arena. Um, I think I just think maybe they're given too much love for for that. Like this this Michigan State team is just broken. They, there is no offense outside of Tyson Walker. AJ Hogarth got benched. You know they're they're now sitting at four and five after losing back to back games against Wisconsin and Corn, and Baylor is just a juggernaut. Like they haven't lost lost a step from last year. They the worry is they haven't played a road game yet, but this is still technically a neutral site. Baylor already beat Auburn and Florida in neutral site games. I think both those teams are way better than Sparty, and this is the best three point shooting team in the country. They are forty six percent from three. And the other factor is if this line is right around this, you know, free, the free throw range, as we call it, like once you get up to between three and, and seven, where you know there's going to be fouling, like Baylor makes their free throws. Michigan State just doesn't. And Baylor lives at the free throw line. Baylor has the guys, the defenders to limit Tyson Walker. I, I think Jaden Nunn, Jacoby Walker, these are long solid defenders who I think can just take him out of his game. And if he's not killing it, Michigan state just can't score. Like I said, I understand the spot in the, and the, uh, the, the semi home court screams Sparty. They're in a must win game. It feels like with, with the start that they've had, but I'm just going to trust the talent. And honestly, I think uh, obviously there's a, a full, you know, a full reputation that's been earned by Izzo, but I think I've got the better coach. Like today, I've got the better coach uh, in in Drew. So uh, give me best bet Baylor minus five against Michigan State. Yeah, I'm going to be trying to sit myself in front of a computer, cell phone, everything, waiting for the openers to come out and try to find if that number comes short. Uh, Michigan State with a very disappointing result at Corn, as you called it, Nebraska, uh, <laughs> Pinnacle Bank Arena, which usually is a like madhouse, was uh, actually being criticized on the broadcast by Stephen Bardo, saying how uh, it was the quietest he'd ever heard the stadium in, since he's been there, and they still lost. So uh, that was a nice best bet for me, and I'm hoping that uh, we can continue getting this sort of respect for a Michigan State team that did make the Sweet 16 last year. Uh, no one knows how. 
I think it's just an absolute, I mean, it's a fluke that they made the tournament, much less the Sweet 16. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like this team at all. There, I don't think there's anything to like about this team, to be honest. I, I mean, uh, I, I guess you can say that they've got some, they're, they're very experienced. But they, it's a lot of the team that they brought back from last year's tournament. But again, I don't believe that that team was any good. So uh, I'm going to ride with the Bears. All right, that is going to do it for another episode. Griffin, appreciate you as always, my guy. And um, hope that you guys have some good luck this weekend. And thank goodness we've got games that are better than what we had the last week. This, the last four days, if you were a college basketball fan or better, we're just absolute hell. So welcome back. Uh, we're, we're glad to be here as well. And we will talk to you guys on Sunday night, previewing next week, hopefully a little bit better slate. Talk to you guys soon.